2: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love
1: with TCL. Hockey. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome in to Judd's Hockey Show. Of course, that includes the side of uh, Declan Goff, who uh, co-host produces and does all of the heavy lifting on I this really program. Do.
0: I really do. Uh, I've elevated my game from fourth line checking center to, I
1: think, what is first line center. Do you think? Oh, I was going to say. Do what do you think? Do you think you're Joel... Eriksson-Eck, I should say, not Joel. I, I was I think That's at 3rd line,
0: line guy. I think one point in my tenure here, I was I was more of a, a Jack guy, and now I don't know. All I right. I am um, I'm a undisclosed top line center who will be acquired by this team at a later date. Oh, very interesting. So you're on the market. I'm on the market. Oh, I didn't know you were I'm shopping. On I didn't know you were being shot well, maybe, maybe I'm more of like a franchise tag. Maybe I'm Dak Prescott, seeking a long-term <laughs> Very deal. interesting stuff. Different so
1: uh, so uh, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN does an outstanding job on their hockey coverage. He's going to uh, join the show shortly for an in-depth conversation about all things wild and... Uh, return to play, but Declan, I want to start off the show by asking just about your uh, general excitement now that we are starting uh, starting to oh. get times as well as the dates that I think we had last week. Um, we now know that the Wild is going to play in the bubble in Edmonton against Colorado in an exhibition game on Wednesday, July 29th at 1.30 p.m., which is going to be, um, we're talking about basically starting hockey all day long, right? And then uh, games one and two of the play-in tournament that the Wild is going to be in. Best of five. Uh, game one, we know, is going to be for the Wild and Canucks in Edmonton, Sunday, August 2nd at 9.30 p.m. Game two is going to be Tuesday after a day off, August 4th, 9.45 p.m. We, oh, I love lane and we don't know start times be on that, but yeah, what's your, what's your level of just general excitement when you look up and down these schedules? Like, we got games that are going to start at Playoff games, yeah, or, or qualifying round games <laughs> that are going to start at 11 a.m. Central. I mean, you are—if you wanted to, you could just basically plop down in fr- in front of your TV, yes. late morning, and not turn it off until early morning the next day, and it's all going to be hockey. I'm absolutely juiced, Jen.
0: I, I am I am jacked for hockey, literally for 14 of 16 hours for at least a week. At least a week. Um, this is going to be great. And the Vi- the Vikings, the Wild get at least three games, so that'll be fun. We'll mm-hmm. get at least three games
1: and four if you include the exhibition and, game against the
0: hated Avs. You know, oh yeah, that's true too. Gabriel so, Landon Scott. So I I'm just excited. There's going to be hockey, and, and if the if the Wild, uh, it, it's a no lose situation for Judd's Hockey Show, um, and and the fans of Judd's Hockey Show. I think Judd because if they win and move on, we continue to watch them. If they lose and get bounced, there's a 12.5 percent chance of that number one pick. Judd, I, I I know you would maybe think that, well, there is a lose situation because you don't get the number one overall pick. To me, I'm in a
1: no-lose situation here. As a hockey fan watching sports after months of not having live sports, yes. it's no-lose. Right. Like As far as the strategy for the years ahead go, I think there is a lose if you beat the Canucks. But as a fan, and in fact, my only problem as a sports fan, and I'm going to be very curious to see what um, hardcore sports fans of multiple sports do in the month of August Mm -hmm. is prioritizing. I mean, we're going to have wild. We're going to have twins. We're going to have what golf majors. If I'm not mistaken, at least one or two, we're going to have, if you like the NBA. Yeah. I I saw somebody um, tweeted out a schedule of one day in August. I forget. It was like a Monday or Tuesday. I mean, it was just this innocuous day and it literally was, was filled morning to night filled with games and so the toughest thing here because it's not going to be tough to make room for for i don't think the wild games or the twins games unless they uh run into each other but i'm just talking as as a hardcore hockey fan do i watch as much baseball do i not watch as much baseball now because there is there is something that is just so delicious when it comes to hockey of the National Hockey League for at least a brief time period, basically replicating the state high school hockey tournament, right? Yes. With with you turn on your TV at 11 a.m., my man, and then you can just keep watching puck all day long. So do I watch baseball? I don't even know yet. I don't even know how I'm going to do it beyond on the, the, the fact of trying to catch the local teams as, as much as possible. But, I mean, there's going to be some. these These qualifying round games and playoff games once they start? Oh, yeah. There's going to be some just great matchups,
0: and it's going to it's going to be a with great, healthy players. Dex,
1: it, it's going to be a great distraction.
0: It's going to be a, a much needed distraction, and and I I hope obviously hope to God everything goes right that we don't have any hiccups and stuff. And and look that that's a this is a very fluid situation. Things can change, Judd. But it's going to be nice to have sports back, and and these are I these are the good problems to have. These are good problems to have when you have all the major sports conflicting. Sure. With um with one another. So this I'm excited, dude.
1: I think that, I think the hiccup would be probably the very worst case would, would be if it ran through a team. And the question became, can we allow that team to stay in the bubble and play? Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's any way now once they get there. Training camps scare me. Because the training camp things weigh a little bit more dicey because they're like on the honor system. The right. Players don't go do this. Don't do that. But once they get them into the bubble, and I believe once they're in the bubble, they're going to test on a daily basis. Yes. The only thing that could really probably go really really wrong is for it to run through a team or two. In very worst case, that team or two couldn't keep playing. But I don't think at that point it would derail the sport. No. And, and no, no, no. And again, if at the very worst, if they said to the Boston Bruins, "Sorry guys, you're you're just out," is that too bad? Yes. But it's two thousand twenty. So I'm not going to be like, I can't believe the Bruins are out, you know? <laughs> so I'll take I'll take what I can get. But I do think once these sports start to play in the bubble, that they will keep playing the majority of, of games. Games, as we've seen in soccer, Declan, might be um, postponed or delayed. Mm-hmm. And very worst, you might lose a team or two. Uh, but I don't think that's going to mean the disintegration of the tournament itself, which no, is what this
0: is. Exactly. And, and we've praised the NHL up and down for everything that they've been able to do. Handling. COVID-19 handling bubbles handling their GDCBA for whatever reason why 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 during a global pandemic is that that's the reason why you're able to strike a labor piece I I don't (laughs) want that to be the reason for renegotiating labor pieces every time but hey I'll take it that that's great so um this has been this is great for hockey and I'm just excited to literally watch hockey just like you said boys hockey girls hockey tournament style at the X from Start to finish for at least a week. And then obviously once we get through the normal 16 teams, I'm sure that'll that'll maybe slim down a little bit, but it'll mostly be, I'm guessing, round-robin hockey for I think they're going to just man. have to keep
1: playing, man. Eight eight it's going to be great. Uh, b- before we get to uh, Greg, I want to run w- one more thing past you. And I hope this guy is absolutely fine. Uh, but I found it very intriguing this week that when uh, practices resumed, training camp resumed or got underway, that the Blackhawks, the one player not on the ice was Corey Crawford. And he is I'm going to put my glasses on, on here to get the right wording of what they're calling guys now, because we are no longer going to have lower or body uh, or upper body injuries. We're now going to have this term unfit to play because we do not want to reveal if it's covid-19 or a hang now. Um, but I found it intriguing that Corey Crawford was not on the ice. There's real speculation now that there's a chance that he won't play uh, in the qualifying round series that the Blackhawks have against the Oilers. Crawford has had concussion problems before, so you certainly hope it's not that or COVID. Um, But you know what I think the Blackhawks might be doing? What's that? I think the Blackhawks might be doing the Zolgad plan, (laughs) 12.5%. Because there's a lot of people convinced that the Blackhawks get bounced by the Oilers, Declan. Yeah, That the Chicago Blackhawks uh, are going to have (laughs) not 12.5% chance to win the top overall pick. And Alex Lafreniere, but the more something like 85%. I think the Blackhawks might be saying, yeah, you know what? We're what? That's a 12-5, right? 12-5 seed. Um, uh, yeah, we're a twelfth seed, and we're really not that good. And, uh, yeah, Corey, I think you should take some time off.
0: Yeah, I I, I think everyone's this worst. This is all good plan. I think this is everyone's worst fear is Chicago getting the pick, and then second is Pittsburgh. And, by the way, Pittsburgh had nine players. I, 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 I was confused on the language. Like, in the... Volunteer, like, they're
1: out because of COVID. They got exposed to they it. Got they got exposed,
0: thought. so they're just quarantining. They're being safe, but it's
1: not confirmed that those nine players right. all have it. Those players could be, for all we know, back at practice today. Yeah. They basically just, they were being safe, and those guys got exposed, or those guys were around someone who had it, and so they didn't want those nine guys to be in the in the area as the players who weren't around pe- the person that had it. Uh, but the Crawford one, we don't know. My point being, though— is if Corey Crawford doesn't play in goal against a high-flying Oilers team with guys like Seidel and McDavid and your guy, R.N.H., who you absolutely have a crush on, um, that uh, P.K. Subban's brother, Malcolm Subban, because they traded Leonard to uh, Vegas, that uh, Malcolm Subban would be in goal. And um, let's just say that against the Oilers, that would probably give the Oilers a very good chance. It would. It totally would. All right, so... Plenty to talk on in, about in the coming weeks on Judd Hockey Show Hockey-wise, as far as the Wild goes, as far as the playoffs go, as far as the playing around goes. And uh, we sat down with our buddy Greg Wyshynski of ESPN to talk about the Wild, and we started him off with how he felt about Dean Everson having the interim tag removed from his title as coach. Were you surprised, not necessarily, Greg, by the, by the hire itself, but by the timing, because we only, and Bill Guerin, only got to see Dean coach for 12 games?
2: Yeah, it's funny. I, I was surprised by all of it. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, Bill Guerin, uh is someone who we all figured would reach out and uh, hire his own guy rather mm-hmm. than somebody who was already in the organization. You know, there was a lot of talk about, you know, guys that he's played for and, and, and played with. Uh, Doug Waite, for example, former coach of the New York Islanders, is a name that was thrown around a lot. So I think there was a a notion that he was going to try to put his own stamp on the coaching position. But then, like you said, the other real surprise was the fact that uh, this might be the first NHL coach that ever got the job by not playing, Uh, you know, like like (laughs) Garen, I I asked Garen yesterday, I'm like, you know, do you, how much of this was COVID-19 shutdown related? Like, did you want to have somebody in place going into next season because the off season was going to be so truncated? Uh, just to have that level of consistency. And he said, you know, part of it might have been the idea that you want consistency behind the bench, Mm -hmm. but most of it was simply seeing how Dean Emerson uh, interacted with the players at the end of the season before the pause, and then most importantly, uh, his level of interest and, and interaction with the players during the pause. So sounds like he won the job. Based on like what twelve games, yes, and a few months of of Zoom calls. So good on him.
1: Two thoughts here, and they're going to be contrasting a bit. One is is that I I, I think that there's a case to be made here uh, that Dean also might have gotten this job, Greg, by the simple fact that coming out of the stoppage now and going into the complete unknowns of pandemic hockey. And then subsequently 2020-21 as well. I wonder too that if Bill Guerin was going to conduct a search and let's say talk to Dougie Waite, as as you said, his friend, Gerard Gallant, right? I wonder if Craig Leopold came back to Billy Guerin and said, We're still paying boots off. Um <laughs> so so we're gonna so there's gonna be a hard line here on how much we can pay. And my guess is that for Dean to get the full-time job. That there had to be um, an okay from him to say, if that's what you're going to pay me, it it might not have been the market rate previously, but just to get this chance, I'll take this job.
2: I think that's a, that's a possibility. I mean, especially when you start thinking about a guy like Gerard Gallant who's going to c- command a pretty good amount of money and also a, a good amount of autonomy, which is sort of what I think torpedoed his uh, his chances of getting that devil's job. And another guy that was up for the devil's job, Peter Laviolette, uh, I've had sources tell me uh, was sort of priced out of the gig because of how much money he was looking for. So you're right. I mean, when you have uh, a coach that's still on the dole and, and when you're you know facing the revenue challenges that all teams are facing right now, if there's an economic solution behind the bench that you're comfortable with, that might be the ultimate option. But again, you look at the term of this contract, I think there's definitely something to it along the lines of also uh, just trying to, you know, make sure that you have some level of stability with your organization going forward. Um, and, and Dean, Dean's a good coach, man. He's been waiting a long time yes. for this opportunity and, uh, I'm happy to see him get it. And I'm also really intrigued to see if that short stretch of games that we saw at the end of the season is going to translate into this postseason tournament because the wild were playing some pretty interesting hockey, uh, you know, an uptick in shot volume, uh, they had been scoring more goals under Boudreau towards the end of his run there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the shot totals going up and the defense, you know, still trying to be as good as it's been all season, I think led to a pretty interesting recipe that, uh, that Dean was cooking up towards the end of the season.
1: Are you as excited to see Kirill Kaprazov? I, I believe I pronounced that right now. Are you as excited <laughs> to see him, Greg Wyshynski, as w- wild fans are because this has been the you know the ultimate weight and the ultimate tease um what what's your anticipation once he can play starting with the 2020-21 uh campaign what's your anticipation of what he could possibly mean to this team
2: well for, first off my anticipation is that we'll all have pronounced his name in 17 <laughs> different ways
1: amen brother uh
2: capra take soft take your pick. Um, so, uh, my anticipation is really high. I mean, everybody that I've talked to that's, that's seen him play and, and kind of understands his game uh, has told me that they think he's going to be a transformative player in, in the sense that, say, like an Artemi Panarin is a transformative player, which has got to be really exciting for wild fans who, you know, have not exactly seen this cut of offensive process that come through the organization and in the franchise's history. Um, so, that's exciting. And, and I think that uh, you could tell how big this move is just by the level of excitement around the organization and and finally getting him in and understanding he's going to arrive. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's something, it's a foundational piece for this franchise to build around. And then, you know, things go sideways in the qualification around the idea that the wild could follow that up with potentially Alexis Lafreniere is, uh, is kind of an amazing prospect when you think about how quickly the, uh, entire makeup of this organization could change in the span of a few months if both those things happen.
0: I mean, Greg, just think about it, too, uh, of this this team has basically lacked a legitimate superstar-type player like that since Gabrick left 12 years ago, and now all of a sudden, if Kevin Fiala is who he is, and you have Kaprazov and as you flirted with there, the possibility of laughing here, you go from a team that had essentially no firepower with, a, with a good depth to now having arguably a, a team that has two to three dynamic players in your top six and I, I, I as a wild fan in me I can't believe I'm saying that that we could have three two or three players that, that are lethal scores on the top line
2: yeah it's almost like it's the kind of team you want Bruce Boudreau to coach yeah <laughs>
1: I'm sorry what's that uh, I have no idea what you're talking about
2: uh no no it's it, it is pretty amazing and it's a real sea change moment for, for the organization uh, from an offensive standpoint. But, but again, even, even if it's not uh, a, a number one overall pick coming the wild way, uh, those are Fiala and, and we uh, saw both two players that they can certainly feel confident they could build around. And, and especially in, in the way that Fiala has sort of discovered uh, a, a new level to his offensive game. I mean, I saw, I was reading up on him, the other day, we were doing some uh, Olympic stuff actually and talking about him, you know, probably joining his national team in a couple of years. But the idea that he, he matched his uh, career goal high in uh, significantly fewer games this season is a pretty remarkable feat.
1: 12.5% chance at the top pick. I'm just saying Canucks in three wouldn't upset me too much. Okay, Greg? <laughs> I'm just, you know, I mean,
2: the Canucks well, are pretty good. It, 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 yeah, no, it very much should. Shouldn't be upsetting if the Wild look. They're just. I think they're just happy to be here, man. We wrote about it on on yeah. Monday. We did a big sort of playoff look ahead. Um, they were playing a lot better towards the end of the season, putting some W's on the board. Um, but by no means should this be a playoff team. I mean, they just they, they didn't earn it. You know, they they ran out of runway. And I don't think that if the season had played out, they would have been been in the playoffs just because of how good the rest of the division is and how some of the the uh, Pacific Division teams are trending up mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, I, you hate – you don't want to be defeatist, right? Like, every team right now has a shot at the cup, and, and all bets are off insofar as what this tournament's going to look like. Like, all it takes is, you know, three good rounds and in a in a, in a hot goalie, and all of a sudden you're, you're hoisting the cup. So you can't necessarily say that it's
1: better for the organization not to win.
2: But in some ways, it's a lot better for the organization not to win.
1: Amen. You know, Amen. Bad. You're exactly <laughs> right. Hey, what what's your uh... – Confidence at this point that the uh, pandemic playoffs are going to not just be started, because I think we're definitely going to see them start, but most importantly um, be concluded without what we would consider to be a a massive hitch of some point.
2: As far as how I think the the probability that it could play out.
1: Yeah. and, And just as far as, you know, if a team comes down with, with, COVID-19 and they can't play, let's say, for a week or something like that. Do do you think that this is going to go off as close to smooth as possible?
2: I do. So La- Lars Eller of the Washington Capitals did a little uh, media availability today, and I think he said something that's important, which is that phase three, the one that we're in now, the training camp phase, is the, is the riskiest one because the bubbles only exist at training camp facilities. They don't exist in the players' homes. They don't exist in the restaurants they're going to. They don't exist anywhere else these players are going to be. So there's a lot more sort of personal responsibility that you expect from these teams, and these players at this point uh, than you will in the next phase. And, and I think the NHL has always been in a position where they're like, look, if we can get to phase four, if we can get these guys inside the bubbles, if we can start really controlling um, the the environments better, insofar as uh, who gets in, who gets out, where they're going, uh, you know, making sure that they that everything's clean and everybody's getting tested on a daily basis, I think they feel like they could really pull this off. And and it's not just them. I've I've spoken to a lot of epidemiologists over the last few months, and they've all kind of said the same thing, which is. If if what's spelled out in the return to play document is is executed insofar as the testing and the cleaning and the isolation of people who have symptoms and everything else that's gone into the return to play, they can pull this off. So yeah, I'm 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 you know I'm I can't say I'm optimistic. I'm a pessimistic about pretty much everything <laughs> in life right now, but I am I am uh, I am confident that the plan that they've put out. Is, is the is the thing that would be necessary to actually pull this thing off?
0: Hey, Greg, with with this salary cap obviously staying the same, what is this going to mean for guys like Taylor Hall who are looking for big paydays, and even guys a year from now? You know, like I, I know Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a big free agent. I, I know Dougie Hamilton is going to be a free agent in a year. What does it mean for guys who are you know were expecting big paydays nine months ago, and now are maybe going to have to accept the fact they won't be able to get that payday because this salary cap is staying stagnant.
2: It's a good question. We asked um Don Fear, the head of the NHLPA in a Q&A that's on espn.com today about that and and his message to those free agents is simply like hey, it could be worse. The cap could be at 65 million, you know, if we didn't do this CBA deal. So, um I think they all know that it's going to be difficult. I think they all know the timing sucks. Uh and I, and I think in the case of someone like Taylor Hall, who's been pretty adamant about trying to take a long-term deal now that he's gotten his crack at unrestricted free agency, it may be a situation where you have to kind of rethink your, your short-term prospects. And, you know, there's always been a lane for someone like Hall to go down where he takes a short-term deal with a cup contender at a pretty decent cap hit and then tries to go for something more long-term after that. And it may be something he should explore, or, or else maybe he's happy in Arizona, and, and that's a team that definitely has the space uh, and, and in, in theory, the money to give him a pretty long-term deal at a decent rate. But, yeah, it, it's a completely different landscape for him, uh, Alex Petrangelo, Tori Krug, Braden Holtby, and some other players that are significant names that are going to be up this summer.
1: Which teams, in your mind, does this uh, hurt the most?
2: The cap situation? Yeah,
1: yeah, the cap being yeah. flat for like oh, two yeah. years, right, Greg?
2: Yeah, I mean, you're talking, I mean, the first team you think of is the Tampa Bay Lightning uh-huh. uh, that that have a bunch of really big salaries that have kind of been coloring around the edges uh, that that may have to move a piece of their core roster in order to kind of move forward with other, other you know, contract considerations. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, I mean... To, to kind of use a, a metaphor, I've been living paycheck to paycheck and so far as the salary cap goes, and I think that they were kind of planning on the cap rising a bit with some of the decisions that they've made in the last uh, year and a half with the contracts that they've given out. Um, so there there are certainly some high-ticket teams that are going to be feeling some pain, and the one thing you have to remember that's looming on the horizon here is Seattle, uh, which is going to be in the catbird seat when it comes to acquiring some players from teams, real good players from teams that are on big-ticket contracts that they have to move because of the uh, the flat cap and the uncertainty about how the cap's going to rise. So while I think teams are going to be smarter about it than they were when Vegas came in, it's certainly going to be kind of the same situation where Seattle is not only going to have an opportunity to acquire uh, guys on big contracts through the expansion draft, but also make some trades to free up space for teams as well.
1: Would you ever have expected in your career covering this sport that I would one day say, or anybody in the media would say, the greatest labor piece in all of sports exists in the national <laughs> hockey? I mean, baseball has screwed this up beyond belief. Football has certainly had its issues, right? Basketball, not perfect. These guys took a pandemic and somehow, somehow extended the. CBA, to me, one of the biggest, and it's actually positive, stories of the entire pandemic is a league that lost a season once, extended its labor piece. I was absolutely floored by this.
2: Yeah, it's been kind of a surreal thing for hockey fans to hear from basketball and football and baseball fans how great Gary Bettman is. <laughs> it's not something... <laughs> I can't believe usually, I'm saying uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, What well, I mean... It's- a, a, a lot of surreal stuffs going on, but that's one of them. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I, I've always thought that there is the possibility that this wasn't going to be a lockout scenario. That this was going to be an easier ride than we've had as hockey fans in, in in recent years. If only because it didn't seem like the owners had an overriding issue that they were going to really kind of hammer the players on that would necessitate a work stoppage, like like for example, the salary cap or you know, long-term contracts and things like that we've seen in the past. So I was optimistic. And, you know, it sounds like in, in conversing with both the NHL and the NHLPA that a lot of the groundwork for this stuff was done before the pandemic hit. Uh, the Olympic issue, for example, was pretty well settled uh, a few months ago um, when, the, when the players decided to go with a, a six-year term instead of a shorter term to rope in the 2026 games. Uh, but then, when the pandemic hit, I, I think it really created a scenario where both sides needed each other pretty desperately um the 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 uh, players obviously needed some sort of remedy to make sure that they wouldn't end up owing the owners like sixty percent of their salaries, which is what escrow could have been based on the revenue losses this season, and the owners needed the players to make sure that the bottom didn't drop out of the financial system that they instilled where the salary cap was tied to revenue and and the salary cap could have dropped dramatically if if that deal wasn't struck. So um, out of that necessity, I think it sort of expedited the deal. But I I also think that it wasn't a a, a CBA that necessarily was going to end up in an Armageddon scenario unless the players, for example, decided to go after the salary cap, which they very well could have, but decided not to.
0: Hey Greg, last question for you here. We asked Garen this question and he was for it. We asked Matt Dumba this question. He was against it. When we're looking at this return to play and we're looking at playing tournaments and possibly expanding the playoffs, is this something that even the NHL, I know they're doing it because they have to, but do you look at this as also something that they could implement in a normal 82-game season down the road when we do return back to normal?
2: Um, Not to this scale, uh, but I think they will expand the playoffs look it, it's it's gotten a little ridiculous that we're going to have 32 teams in in the league and only 16 of them make the playoffs and, and i say that as a fan who grew up in a league where or, you know it was like 16 of like 21 or something ridiculous like that They're that not was saying we necessarily have to go yep. yeah we don't have to go back to those percentages necessarily <laughs> but but the idea that we can't have some play in series between the eight through the 10 seeds uh, that will, you know, give the top seeds, maybe a little bit of rest, but also create extra revenue, create extra excitement, uh, expand the playoff field beyond what it is right now, while also maintaining the integrity of the 16 team tournament. Cause to me, that's the real key. Like I don't want playoff expansion. That's going to ruin what I think is the best tournament in sports. but I do think that you can expand it in a in a in a way that, that ropes in some of those lower seated teams for one game or short term tournaments that's gonna, you know, create a, a pathway to expand the playoffs, maintain the integrity of the main tournament, and also create a bit more revenue in places that, that could certainly use it. So I, there there's already support for that internally amongst some of the board of governors, not enough to necessarily force it through, but I do think it's something that the NHL is gonna really
1: consider once Seattle gets into this league. Thank you, sir. Great stuff, Greg. Hey,
2: anytime.
1: Much appreciated. Take care. Appreciate it, Greg.
0: Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or mac and cheese with Murray's English cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone.
2: Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.